a lot of triathletes and open water swimmers come to me and they say, how do I get better? I say, you get faster. Everything else gets faster from there because you're going to be in shape, but you got to adjust your base speed. And you do that by learning how to slow faster. Welcome to the award-winning Champions Mojo, hosted by two world record-holding athletes and health, life, and leadership coaches. Be inspired as you listen to Conversations with Champions. And now, your hosts, Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Champions Mojo podcast. And as usual, I am co-hosting with my wonderful sister-in-law, Maria Parker. Hey, Maria. Hi, Kelly. It's great to be with you today. Yes, Maria. And so I was on another road trip doing a lot of traveling lately up in Richmond, Virginia, and got to sit down with the man, the myth, the legend, the mastermind, <laughs> I know, the mastermind behind so many fast swimmers. And we are talking about Mark Cutts. Mark has been coaching with Nova Aquatics of Virginia in the Richmond area since 2002 with Nova. But before that, he was with many of the top clubs in the Richmond area, coaching both the youth swimmers and master swimmers for decades. Mark himself swam at the division one level at Virginia Commonwealth University, and he earned a degree in health and PE. And he was captain of the swim team his last two years. Mark has coached many U.S. and Masters national champions, as well as world record holders. And Mark's resume doesn't officially show that he has encouraged and inspired young kids in the Nova program who have gone on to be Olympic champions. They started when they were young with Mark. He's touched many champions. He may not be the coach of record, but I think he is one of the greatest coaches and he gives so much great advice in this interview. Uh, Maria, tell us what you thought a little bit about the interview and what else you can tell us about Coach Cuts. Well, I love the interview. I found it very inspiring. As a new master swimmer, these things are starting to make sense. So I thought it was a great interview. I'm excited when we talk to such talented and inspirational coaches like that. So let me tell you some more about Mark. He's a certified level four U.S. swimming coach. In 2012, he won U.S. Masters Swimming Carrie O'Brien Coaching Award, which is given in recognition of coaches who've done a great job in building strong U.S. Masters membership in local communities. He's contributed regularly to the U.S. Masters Swimmer Magazine. He and his wife, Valerie, have two grown children. He lives on a small farm in Powhatan with several horses, chickens, dogs, and a cat. In addition to his busy Nova schedule, Mark owns and operates The Pool Guy, a pool service company. I can't wait to give you my takeaways at the end of this really incredible interview. Coach Mark Cutts, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Kelly. Glad to be here. We appreciate it. So Mark, any master swimmers that you're currently coaching or coach recently that have really seen great strides just by cutting in there? Obviously, I've coached a lot of very, very good swimmers over the years that have either moved here from other parts of the country or moved here from another team that had a lot of background, whether it be collegiate swimming or even higher, and they were trying to get it back and we hopefully helped them get it back. But I've got one guy that started a couple of years ago with me. His name is Rick. And he came, he decided at probably around the age of 25 that he wanted to 
take up swimming. So he came to practice one day and talked to me and showed me what he could do. And he could barely swim a length in the pool freestyle. So I said, go to Elena. She's one of our instructors that teaches adults. Go to Elena and get her to work with your strokes and get you to be able to swim pretty good technically wise. And then come on back and try again. So I didn't see him for a couple of years. So he went to Elena. He learned how to swim better. He went over to a pool across town and was just doing laps with them and trying to get in their master's program. It's not as quite, it's not quite as competitive as ours. So he fit in a little bit better over there. And then he came back. He said, I think I'm ready, Mark. I said, okay. So he got in and of course he struggled for a while. He didn't have any experience training very much. So he didn't have any endurance, but, uh, I knew whenever we did our speed days that he was starting to show some potential. His kick was amazing on the back of his freestyle. And he, he's a strong guy anyway, just naturally. So he started pushing some pretty fast 25. So I said, Rick, you got a little ability there, my friend. So he said, you're thanks, so, Kirk. This, yeah. I said, it's just a matter of uh, keep plugging, get here to practice as much as you can. You got to get your endurance up because you don't have enough stamina to make the race a hundred yet, but we can be pretty good at the 25 and the 50 to start. And uh, his goal is to go under a minute. And the last meet he went, I think 101. So he went from being a non-swimmer four years ago to a 101 and he's still progressing week by week by week. And I think he went 26 and the 53. Wow. So, I mean, it shows you, he still doesn't have the stamina quite yet. But I mean, he's, I think he's going to keep progressing and be pretty darn good within another couple of years because he has stick to stick to which is my word for, he comes to practice sometimes four days a week and he plugs away for an hour and a half every day. So that's, what's going to, that's the key too. people have to realize until you're really got a lot of experience in swimming, you really do have to put the work in. You have to put the days in at a time and then. Maybe you can back off a little bit when you, a lot better. My fastest swimmer now practices four days a week for an hour and 20 minutes a day. So what would you say if there were three things that you could tell swimmers that they should be focusing on to be better? Just consistency with practice. As, I mean, you're not going to be, it's going to be, I always say one step forward, two steps back. You come to practice for three weeks. You take a week off and go on vacation. You come back, you're basically starting over again. Consistency as much as you can with your work schedule, with your vacation schedule or whatever it may be. Obviously, swimming is all about technique. You people today, unlike what Kelly and I had years ago, we did not have phones that you could watch the world's greatest swimmers right, right at the palm of your hand. And see how they do it. Watch their strokes, watch their turns, watch their starts. I mean, all you have to do is copy the great ones. We, I mean, I just have to watch reel to reel at Silver Swim School and Bill Yours, Olympic champion, 200 flawed. I mean, we watched them on a reel. So we didn't have all that. We didn't have the ability to watch people like you do this, study, become a student of the sport, and then learn how to enjoy practice, enjoy working hard. If you don't enjoy it, go play tennis. You have to enjoy practice. You have to make practice important and you have to 
become a lover of training. Beautiful. What is the thing that you're most proud of that you've done as a swimming coach? Well, I would say made it a kind of a lifelong career or second career or maybe even third career because as you probably don't know, I'm involved in a lot of other things besides coaching. But coaching, coaching has always been a passion since I was very young and I've just enjoyed it tremendously for all these years. So that's great. So a long career. And where did you start out as far as your own swimming? Give us a little journey into how you've wandered to the pool deck as a swimmer. My parents were not very wealthy when I was a boy, but there was a little small swim school called Silton Swim School in Manasquan, New Jersey. And my neighbor, they owned the town bakery and they were pretty well off. And my mother and her were best friends and she actually paid for my brothers and I to take our first two-week session at Silton Swim School. And I credit all of everything I've ever done to Mrs. Furpar for getting me started. As soon as I started swimming, they realized that I had a little bit more of a special gift, the average swimmer. And the, the owner of the swim school kind of took me under his wing and by the time I was 10 years old, I was undefeated in multiple events in the whole Eastern United States and held many records. And that was where I got my start, Sultan Swim School in Manisquan, New Jersey. And then where did that take you? Did you continue to swim in, on your high school team, college? What's next? They had no high school swimming in New Jersey. I made a mistake. My, my coach was a very good young person coach, but it was not probably is adept at taking it to the next level. So I stayed with him probably longer than I should and didn't make the headway that I probably should have been making. So I almost faded away a little bit from swimming and started playing basketball and other sports, but I kept swimming just because my parents had invested so much time in it. I felt committed to do that for them. And then when I was a senior in high school, I decided to go swim for Central Jersey Aquatic Club, who was the best team in the state at that time, and got to train with some future Olympians and Bill Palmer, who was national recognized coach at the time. And I got good enough to go to college. I came down to BCU on a semi-scholarship, swam for Ron Suchia for four years, but go back to high school, I had asked my principal if I could swim in the high school state championships because we didn't have a swim team. So I had to get his permission. So he signed a letter and let me go. And I did very well there. I think I finished third in the 200 IM and fourth or fifth in the 100 fly. And I was the only Madison High School representative, but Madison High School finished like 19th in the whole state of New Jersey with my two swims. They were very proud of me in Madison to send me. So when I went to BCU and swam four years there, did pretty well. But once again, I was juggling at the academics and working and everything else and just missed making NC2As my senior year in the 100 fly. But I was still proud of my college swimming. I was the captain the last two years. And Coach Ron gave me numerous awards throughout my college for being a hard worker and all that stuff. So what were your strokes? Like, what did you like to swim? 
Primarily in college, I swam the 100 fly in the relays. I swam the 200 and 500 free and the 200 iron. He mistakenly put me in the 200 fly a few times and figured out that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> and the funniest story I had, I, I was talking to my coach yesterday, actually, on the phone. He's 85 now. And a nurse, he's in a nursing home. Oh, that's he's flying. That's the only reason he's in a nursing home, because he can't take care of him. But he still has his mental capacities, and we were talking about old time. And I reminded him of my mile. When I was a freshman, he said, Mark, you work so hard in practice. You've got to be able to do a mile. We need you to do the mile. I went, I've never swum a mile. So I got in there, and I had a nemesis name. His last name was Hudson. I can't remember his first name. He was a 500 freestyler, and I used to race him in the 500 all the time. And he beat me the last 100 every time. So I went out with him. Everybody's up cheering for me. Then all of a sudden, <laughs> the gorilla jumped on my back. So I started slowing down. And by the thousand, everybody had lost interest a little bit <laughs> and sat down on the side. <laughs> and then I noticed around the 500, coach had left the building. I think he went to the bathroom during my mile. It was a, a good chance for him to leave. So I finished. I didn't do horrible, but I got my clock cleaned by Hudson. But Ron couldn't understand it. Was that deliberate? They say sometimes you do something. That was not deliberate. <laughs> I would never toss the towel in on a race. I just did I wasn't trained to the mile. So I didn't really know how to do it either. So. But you were known as a hard worker. But by being a hard worker and swimming the mile at that pace that he was swimming, I wasn't yeah. ready for that. So we've interviewed a lot of great coaches like you. And there seems to be a little bit of unfinished business, like in their own swimming career. And then they go on to coach others to higher, higher places than they win. Tell me if you feel like maybe you have some unfinished business or what the joy is when you see one of your kids make the Olympic team, which you've had several and top many. We've heard your amazing introduction, but Talk to us about unfinished business. Well, obviously, all of us, we always want to be better than we maybe can be. At times, you figure out pretty much how good you are. I had a guy named Bob Johnson that's my on our team. And he had trained at Mission VA And when he would turn it up in practice, I realized that I wasn't ever going to be that good. I couldn't keep up with him even for a short time. He was just too powerful and too fast. And you realize at a certain point, you have your limit and you have to do that. I think everybody finds a point where you realize, okay, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm top two or three in the state and all my main events every year. And that was good to score points for our team. And I was always on the A relays. So I feel like I, I was satisfied with my college career. I wasn't elated, but I also wasn't as committed as Ron would tell you. I, Burn the candle at both ends, if not in the middle. So I don't feel like I, whatever I left on the table with my personal swimming, I think I more than picked it up with my coaching because I then transfer all of my enthusiasm for the sport into every athlete that wanted to be good. Absolutely. That is what you are known for. So that's a great place to, where did you first transition from that? swimmer to coach. Well, most people can't believe this when I tell them, but at Silton Swim School, I told you I was at 10, I was a state champion and 
well, pretty good swimmer. I was also a big kid at 10. So by the time I was 10, I was actually teaching the advanced class at the swim school. Oh my gosh. Wow. So I was teaching 13, 14, and 15 year olds. And here I am 10, but I was big as most of them almost, but I was, they respected me because I was pretty fast. So I actually started teaching and working with kids at 10 years. And then from there, I became the head in the staff at Silton Swim School and started when I went off to college, my freshman year, I started working with the, we had a Saturday program where I was, I became the lead instructor for that teaching four hours every Saturday morning, one hour classes on basically competitive technique and stroke. And then I became an assistant coach to the CAC Rams, which was our USS team, well, AAU back then, that swam out of ECU. And we had, it was a very unique team. It was all 12 and unders at that time. And they were all A plus one, couldn't be any, couldn't be on the team unless you were A plus. And I worked with some of the best 11 and 12 year olds in, in some in the country at that time, as I was getting my introduction into coaching. So I, right off the bat, I'm thrown into working with high level swimmers and seeing what they do, how they do it, trying to get a feel for what creates that type of atmosphere to get that kind of work into their performances and practice. And I've learned a lot from a lot of those fast kids that I coached way back when I was in college and then from that on. Awesome. So you're known for these incredibly tough, but fun workouts. And I know so many kids break through and get faster when they swim with you, whether that's a age group kid or a master's swimmer, you really do take people to the next level, which to me says you're doing something different than most coaches, which I totally agree with because I've swum for a lot of coaches over my own career and I've swum for you. And I know what you do, but I want to know if you can articulate it for our listeners. When I was first starting out and I was actually coaching the same team that I coached in college, I went back and coached them when I was in my twenties. I had good fortune of working with some really good 12 and under athletes. And I remember one parent one time said, Mark, the thing that separates you from all the coaches I've seen ever is your enthusiasm. And she said, please don't ever lose. And I remember that. And I still remember to this day. I think people want to see that you're enthusiastic. The other thing that I think I've always given kids is I try to give them a belief that they can be way better than they think they can be or they are. And then I provide the, uh, let's just say I give them an opportunity to show how good they can be to themselves and to me. And even if I remember one girl years ago, she wanted to go 204 in the 200 back. She came to me for some extra help. I said, well, here's what you got to do. Go 101, you got to go 103 in the second hundred. So your pace is 31 fine. We're going to do 450s right now off a minute. Let me see if you can go 31.5 or better on all of them. She easily did it. I said, that's the start. You'll be going 204 before long. She did. It's just you give the kids that maybe don't believe in themselves a chance to believe in themselves. And you show them how and why. You don't just. And I never tell a kid, 
they can do things that I don't believe they can do that I don't, and that they haven't shown me that they have the capability, right? That's why we do pace with you, Kelly, yes, all the time. Yes. We make you believe that you can go that pace because you do it in practice. Right, right. So, and you do that with master swimmers and the enthusiasm behind you when I, when I think of walking into Nova and getting ready to come to one of your master's practices, if you're coaching the kids beforehand, I just hear you're just bellowing through the pool in a upbeat kind of way. And it's very encouraging, but you also make your swimmers do things that are tough. Can you talk about that? Well, you got to remember, Kelly, back in the 70s, that's when we were doing all the grind out yardage. And Ron was giving us every bit of yardage we could stick in into in five to two hour practices. I mean, 8,000 yard practices were nothing. So I come from a background of lots of swimming and hard work. And I do believe in hard work. But I also, obviously, over the years, have also got the belief that you have to do speed work. You have to do more than just grind out yardage. You have to do smart yardage. You have to do things that make sense, that are purposeful to what you want to try to achieve. And that's not just swing of the laps. So I do give days like where you are doing more yardage with less rest. I do challenge people to make harder intervals, but then I have days where you can have an opportunity to swim as fast as you can and have recovery and see what you got. And then a mixture some days of all that. So I like to mix it up. I like to make it fun and ha let them have fun while they're in a little bit of discomfort as well. <laughs> oh, definitely. So most of our listeners are master swimmers or triathletes, and they're trying to get better as adults. They're they may never get back to the times that they had when they were younger or even in a younger age group, but they just want to continue to swim at a high level. What would you say that would be a good plan for a swimmer that's trying to improve with age? Well, most of the master swimmers, for the most part, they initially come to practice just to try to get back in some form of shit, right? And I never put any pressure on anybody to, to want to be fast or go to swim meets. But once they make that decision, then I can certainly help them. And I think that what you have to do is you have to then, based on what you're doing in practice, make some realistic goal. And then if you have a coach, talk to them about your goals and then see if they can help you try to achieve them with some sets that are made with a purpose, like I said. So let's just say you want to go 210 in the 200 freestyle. You only, there's only certain ways you can do that, right? You can do the early foolish and go out really fast and die, or you can do it with a two or three second split into hundreds. So then, you know, look, you got to go, you got to go out in a 104 and you got to come back in a 106. You got to have your coach give you opportunities to, to go a 106 in practice. And then if you can go a 106, then you got a shot at going a 210, but you can't be pushing 115s in practice and say, I want to go 210 in the 200 break. These things are, it's not realistic. I use the, I always tell people it's like track and field, right? You want to go a four minute mile? Well, you start out by running a minute quarter. 
and then a minute half, and then three minute three quarters. You build up to it, and then eventually you're able to go a four minute mile. And but if you're swimming, same thing holds true. You can't hit the pace in practice on a short distance. How would you expect yourself to be able to do it for a, a long distance? It doesn't make any sense to me. Kids come to me all the time and say, I want to do this time. And I say, what have you done in practice to make me believe that you can do that? Well, and they'll say, maybe I did it for 50s. And I'm like, well, that's a start. But doing it for 50s, this first step, you got to be able to do that second hundred. You got to be able to be very close on the last 150. And those things make a difference to be able to, not only do you have the ability speed wise to do it, but you have to build the endurance to be able to sustain the speed. And that's what people fall short on. They don't do the longer stuff at the speed they need to do. They do the short stuff. That's not going to do it. So if we have people that are trying to swim a fast mile, the triathletes are trying to bring their mile times down. Tell us about the tradition here of Broken Mile Friday, how that came about, and what that should do for people who are doing that. Broken Mile Friday, I think we've been doing it for close to, well, probably 18 years now with the Master. We started in 2005. And I just threw that out there just because it was, I was going to have Friday be like our distance day. And I said, well, maybe I'll just start out and do a Broken Mile. And we've done Broken Mile almost any way I could possibly imagine to do it. I think I, the only thing I haven't done is 6625, but we have done 3350s and we've done everything else in and around that you can even imagine. But it's all based on if you really wanted to or mile, figure out what you want to do, look at what the pace has to be. And then when you're doing the mile, if it's not an unreasonable interval, like just something you barely make, then you try to set out and see if you can hold your pace for each repetition, whether it's 50s, 100s, 150s, 200s, whatever it is. Kelly, as you did yours last Friday, and you were able to do a, you added up every single time and <laughs> did a, and did the national record in the mind. So, I mean, this is the type of stuff that people have to realize. You have to swim with purpose. You have to know what you're supposed to do. You have to watch the clock. You have to see what you're doing. You can't just go out and just swim laps. That's going to be good to sustain your level of condition. But if you actually want to get better, you have to turn it up a notch. A lot of triathletes and open water swimmers come to me and they say, how do I get better? I say, you get faster. Everything else gets faster from there because you're going to be in shape, but you got to adjust your base speed. And you do that by learning how to swim faster. So would you tell those triathletes and open water swimmers to start with 50s or what might be a progression over maybe six weeks for that person who is literally, I see them, the triathletes go and they just, they swim 4,000 straight or they swim for a half hour. So how do they get faster? Well, the same way we do. I mean, you have to go, you have to get out there and maybe even just do a set only of 10 100s and do them off 10 minutes. I love to give that set because that's a really good base conditioning set. There's a, there's some rest, but not a tremendous amount of rest, but you can hope you want to see how fast you can hold for 10 of them. And that gives you an idea where you are. And maybe you do that set every month. 10, 100s on off two minutes. Off two minutes. And you just try to see how fast can you hold. And that is a tremendous set. It's a test set that I do frequently with my master's people just to see 
Are we at the same place? Have we regressed because we took a vacation or we got sick or are we still progressing forward? And if they start out, if I were to do that set, I might go 102, 106, 110. I no, mean, is no, it have to start out at a strong pace, but not a sprint because your goal is how close can you stay on all 10 of these? So you want them all the same? As close as possible. Now, when you first start out, you're not going to know how to do it and you are going to probably go too fast and then you're going to fall apart. Okay. But that's just condition. And if I tell a kid, if they fall apart the last 50 or 200, there's nothing wrong with your swim at all. You're not quite in shape to do the pace that you want to do. It's just conditioning and that can be fixed. Okay. All right. So if people are have never done a swim meet, masters. We're talking about masters. What are your thoughts on new swimmers or triathletes doing masters meets? Any masters meets are for all of us. Anybody that can swim the strokes legally and you want to experience just having a great time with your teammates, you need to go to a masters meet. You can swim all 50s if you want. Or if you like to do the distance, you can do that. Look, there's people that are 75, 80, 85, 90, sometimes older swimming in these meets. It's very rare that anybody starting out at a 30 or 40 year old is going to get beat by an 80 year old, unless they're just like the national champ. So you don't have to be afraid because there's always going to be other people like you that are going. They're not all national champion. They're not all Kelly Parker Palace, national record. But you know, they, everybody's having a blast. I had a meet. We went to a meet a couple of weeks ago. I had a lot of people swim in the first meet they swum in 20 years. They had a blast because they got a chance to relive their high school years a little bit swimming in a swim meet. So you're missing out. If you're on a team and you don't go to a meet, you're missing out on the most fun part. Okay. The last question before the last question is, what is the biggest obstacle in your own life that you've overcome and how did you do that? Biggest obstacle. Well, initially it was wanting to be a swim coach, but not making enough money to make a living at it. So that's why I really have actually never became a head swim coach only. I've never been a coach only in my whole life. I was either a school teacher or I was selling chemicals and pool equipment or now I'm running a facility, coaching masters, and sometimes I work with the kids and I also own my own swimming pool service company. So I've never been able to strictly be a swim coach. So I never have actually overcome the obstacle, (laughs) which is being able to do only what I Really would have loved to do my whole life, coach. But you've found a way to do what you love. Yes, but not at the level I probably would have liked. When I stood on the deck next to Mark Schubert and when I was 28 years old and my 200 breaststroker beat his, I thought I had made it. Yeah. But still, the pay back then wasn't enough to, be, to take it to the next level. Yeah. In Richmond anyway. Yes. So is there anything that I have not asked you today that you would like to share with our listeners? Oh, I would say that 
swimming should be a, a lifelong aspiration. Years ago, I don't know if you were at this meet when Marie Kelleher swam, but she was 100 years old. Marie Kelleher was the first woman over 100 to swim in a meet. She did it at our facility, and she was 100 years old. Now, she didn't train here, but her son Joe now is 82, and he trains He's not here today, but he trains here with me at 8.30, and he's 82. And I have another guy who also, well, Randy's 82, but I mean, this swimming is a thing that you can do your whole life up until the, you can't get to practice. Marie swam until she was 102 years old, as she drove herself to practice and swam on her, and she swam at the Y. At 102 years old, still went to work after slump. And uh, Joe knows the same thing. So, and I plan on doing it too, and I hope Kelly does. And as long as we can do it, I think we're going to be out there stroking away. I love it. That is a great one. But I lied about my last question. What are your own goals for your master's swimming career? Obviously, I've had some issues with my, my heart. So I'm being very careful with training. I'm just trying to bump it up a little bit, maybe every week, both yardage and intensity. And doctors giving me a clean bill of health to be able to try to start working hard again. So once I feel like I can swim hard, I'll start putting the pedal down a little bit more. Any meets on the calendar for you? Not yet. I want to wait and see when I feel like I'm at least not going to go out completely embarrassed myself. What events might you be in, might be training for or targeting? Well, obviously freestyle right now. I'd be 67 years old. My shoulders have been put through a lot over the years. So my fly is still my favorite stroke, but I have trouble doing it right now. Then maybe I can build back into it. I would say I'd probably just stick with the 200 free, 100 free, 500 free, maybe those events. Good events. I love it. Okay. Are you ready for this fun sprinter round? Just It's just for people to get to know you a little better. Yes. Your favorite sandwich? Meatloaf sandwich with cheese. What do you own that you should throw out? I have so many things, but not more than my wife. Oh, jeez. And I should I'll probably have my clothes. <laughs> What's the scariest animal to you? Scariest animal? Sharks, of course. Okay. What celebrity would you like to? Celebrity. No, that I've got him. I would have liked to meet Elvis, but he's gone. No, that's okay. We can do dead or alive. Elvis. Elvis. All right. Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> what is the hardest swimming event? Well, I'd have to say my from my experience, <laughs> the, the 16 to I'm gonna be I'm gonna I'm gonna second that opinion. <laughs> Favorite movie? Rocket. Hey, Rocket. <laughs> Favorite smell? Uh, I guess I like the smell of an Italian restaurant. <laughs> okay. Do you make your bed every morning? Negative. Negative. Kickboard or no kickboard? Kickboard. I was really good on kickboard. For your swimmers, too? No. So, kickboard for you? Kickboard for me. No kickboard for you. Why is that? You can learn to kick underwater. Okay. If you had to listen to one song for the rest of your life, what that what might that be? Holy songs. 
Got to be a journey song, but I can't pick one. Okay, journey song. We'll take that. When you fly, aisle or window. Describe your, your life in five words. I try to have a good time. Probably more than... I like it. And last question. When you dive in the water, what word comes into your mind? Go. All right, Mark, thank you so much. This has been awesome. You're very well. Stay tuned for the takeaways. Want to succeed like a champion? Five-time Olympic coach Bob Bowman, coach of Olympic legend Michael Phelps, says Kelly's book, Take Your Mark Lead, is a powerful addition to your personal improvement library, and learners from all walks of life will gain key insights and enjoy this inspiring book. Take Your Mark Lead debuted as an Amazon number one bestseller in five categories and is available online. And now, the takeaways. Okay, Maria, so there it is. Mark <laughs> cuts in all his glory. What is your first takeaway? Well, if you ask a coach to help you with something, they generally will. I love that. I guess if you ask somebody to help you with something, that tells a coach that you're motivated and I... I and coaches must love to work with swimmers who really want to improve. So they're not mind readers though. If you're just doing your little slow swimming or not doing much and wondering why you're not improving, they won't necessarily reach out to give you the extra attention that you might like. So go ahead and ask your coach for help. Yes. And Mark is known for that ability to Take someone's goals. If you tell Mark, I want to go this time in an event, or I want to, you know, I want to train for this thing. He yeah. is known for holding your feet to the fire. <laughs> I love that. And oh, you say you want to do this? Okay. Then this is what you got to do. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so it really is true that coaches are not mind readers. And so we're just encouraging you with this takeaway to articulate what you want out What's of your goal. Yeah. What, what you want out of your swimming and talk with, if it's not your coach, talk with somebody about it. So my first takeaway is one of the things that I think makes Mark magical is that he is so enthusiastic at practice. A lot of coaches just sit there or they don't encourage you during practice. But I've always said this as a former salesperson, that the last four letters of enthusiasm stand for, or I think they stand for I-A-S-M, which means I am sold myself. And I think because, <laughs> yeah, I think because Mark is sold on swimming, he swims himself. Yes. He loves swimming. He loves coaching. He loves everything about it. We hear him say, he thinks this wasn't even one of our takeaways, but he thinks everyone should swim until they're a yeah. hundred. Right. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So that, so his enthusiasm brings his coaching to a higher level, brings his swimmers performances to a higher level. And I think the takeaway here is enthusiasm in anything we're doing, whether it's swimming, whether it's coaching, whether it's our jobs, whether it's parenting, that it just raises us to the next level. I know we, we all sometimes run around exhausted and lacking sleep or overtraining or just not having enough energy, but putting energy and enthusiasm into any project is going to take it to the next level. Yeah. That's a great takeaway from, and it's true. So Maria, what is your second takeaway? Well, I love that Mark has been 
coaching for many years, enthusiastically and raising up a just generation after generation of great swimmers. And he doesn't do it as a full-time job. It's his passion. It's his, it's what he loves, but it, he, it didn't make enough money for him. At least when he was looking into those jobs, they weren't paying well enough for him. So he just has continued to do it part-time. And I think that's a great takeaway for us. If there's something that we love that doesn't pay enough or whatever, don't give up on it. Just keep doing it however you can as a hobby or as a part-time job, just stick with it because it obviously fills him with joy to be a swim coach, even if it's not his main source of income. Yes, that is, it's such a good lesson that we all think, oh, if I can't do something all in a hundred percent, I'm not going to do it. Right. And we have to mention, of course, Erica Braun and Dan Latano in this show because we, yeah. So I'm going to also add that maybe I'm going to mention my ballet practice <laughs> in yeah. every show. Right. I felt for a while, if I wasn't doing ballet full time as much as I was doing swimming, that I shouldn't do it. And then, and then I just thought, you know what? So I'm inspired by this. I'm inspired by. I'm just going to do, I am doing ballet just part-time and it doesn't feel like enough, but after watching Mark's career and all that he's done while doing this part-time, that's just inspirational. Yeah. And I would add that I think there's sort of a lie out there that if you love something, you should, you should, that should be what you do for your, all of your, for, to pay the bills. And I don't think that always works out. There's, you can have a job that you love, but you can still, if you're interested in photography, you don't necessarily have to make that your main breadwinning thing. You can become really good at it and really enjoy it your whole life as Mark has with swimming and not do it full time and not do it for your main source of income. So I, I love that as a takeaway. Awesome. Awesome. And my final takeaway, even though, like I said, there are many, so many much. takeaways, so but much. we're just doing two each. So, you know, I love this one. If you want to get faster at your long events, like the 400 or the 500 or the 800 or the thousand or the mile, you have to have speed first. And Mark talks about that in detail. And I love that he is that one of my favorite t-shirts that he wears is says, may the pace be with you. (laughs) (laughs) And God knows I love for the pace to be with me. Cause if I get in a mile and my pace is off and you know it in a lot. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny because after listening to the interview, I went out this morning to swim practice and I was, I was paying a lot more attention to my pace and it's not anywhere near what you could do or what Mark was talking about in the interview, but I was like, okay, so this is where I am right now. Now I know. And this is, and so I got, what can I do now? Just like you said. And the, anyway, <laughs> it was yeah. really exciting to think about, okay, this is, and I know this from cycling and running, but this is how you get faster at swimming. You work on, you, you know, where you are and you work on your pace second by second. Yep. Absolutely. You drop first, you drop your fifties, then you drop your hundreds, right. then you drop your two hundreds and then the whole mile will drop. So those are our takeaways, Maria, another incredible master swimmer, master's coach interview. I love Um, these coach interviews. They're so helpful. Yes. Thanks for being on this ride with me, Maria. I love you so much. I love you too, Kelly. Bye-bye. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye-bye.